All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone. With your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, hosting as per usual. This time I got somebody with me. Thank God you don't have to listen to me for an hour this time. Uh, I got Blake Froling with me. Blake, how you doing? Good to be here. You know, feeling great after the nice win. God, we just, it's... It's uh tw- oh one two three four twelve thirty in the morning uh Friday morning we just got done at the uh, Penn State game, Michigan State I I mean you don't like to throw around the word domination lately especially when you're playing a conference opponent but I think that was the definition of uh, of a dominate of a of just domination on Michigan State's part they won eighty two sixty seven Kenny Kaminsky with uh, a career high nineteen points went uh, five of six from three point seven nine from the field. Uh, what did he shoot in the first half? I think he missed one shot in the first half, maybe. Had 13 in the first, anyway. Um, love what you're seeing out of him right now. Oh, my gosh. It's great. It's great to see him perform. He's He got the start. I don't know if this is his first of his career or not, but he definitely stepped up when the team needed him, and he's been off and on pretty much the whole year, especially the past couple games. His shot really hasn't been falling from deep, which is basically his whole game. He's been working on his defense and rebounding. But for a guy his size, he should be getting a little bit more inside. But he lives and dies on the three, and the, let me tell you, he, he lived tonight. I mean, that's that's one thing, I and I've, I think I've said it every single time I've talked about Kenny Kaminsky this year, is the dude is 6'8", and we I just have to keep reminding everybody of that because he doesn't play that way. And I'd love to see tonight. He had a couple nice, he had a couple, I mean, he took two shots or three shots inside the three-point arc, which is always nice to see. Um it's. I love seeing him play to the basket, and I love seeing him play with his back to to the basket, because if you can combine that outrageously beautiful three point shot with a little bit of an inside game, that is a fantastic combination, and and it's only going to make his game that more complete. And especially when he's got three more years of eligibility, you love the ceiling that he has right now because he's got that size and he's got that stroke. And it's it's just a fantastic thing to watch. And I've been a huge Kenny Kaminsky critic. I I refuse to go all in, and I still refuse to. I I mean I love seeing him put up 19 points against Penn State, but it is still Penn State. Um, I mean Michigan State is a team shot outrageous from three point this game. They shot five of 13 in the first half, not great, but they shot 70 percent in the second half from behind the arc. That's that's video game numbers. Oh well, you know they were definitely feeling it. They're on a roll in the second half. You know, Penn State just had no answer for their outside shots. Payne coming back, just the lift he gave the team and, and the feedback he got from the crowd. I mean, how is Penn State going to come up against that, especially when we're just so hot from inside and out? Blake just mentioned it. I haven't. Uh, we haven't talked about it specifically yet. Adrian Payne back for the first time since uh, in almost exactly a month. Uh, January 7th against Ohio State was the last game he played. Uh, probably shouldn't have played then, but he's not. He wasn't going to sit out against his hometown team. Uh, it's just. Uh, I mean, it it provides such a lift, and and he said tonight, and uh, 
I'll play a little bit. Here's I talked to AP after the game, and, and this is what he had to say. You know, the coach doing a great job in turning the program around. You know they're getting better every year in every game, and um, you know that's good. And you know they're they're, they're going to be a great team. You know, Coach Will, and you know we just came out and just try to execute. How important is it to now get Keith Abbey out? Well, it's very important because we need him. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. Thanks. 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 Even with Autumn Day, it seems like you guys were, you know, flowing pretty well and everything, things were going well. What do you take from a game like this, you know, going ahead and playing at Wisconsin where it seems like you guys, you know, kind of struggle a little bit? It seems yeah, like you yeah, that's a tough place to play. Um, you know, I, I never played that well there. And, um, you know, Keith always, you know, carry us through that game. So I'm looking forward for him playing so he can help carry us through it again. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm going to come out and I'm going to try to come out and, you know, have a good game. So, you know, I, I really need Keith this game. <laughs> what makes Wisconsin so difficult to play at, you know, instead um, of the taking them here? You know, I, I'm just – I think it's the style of their play. Uh, you know, they're coached well too, but uh, I think it's a style of play. You might already answer this question, but do you expect to start against Wisconsin? Um, I really don't know, but – I'm hoping I do. Um, you know, that's probably coach's coach's decision now. And, um, you know, I'm just going to try to come out and tell him, make sure everything, like, coach him fine. You know, I'm good now, 100. And, you know, it's up to him and the coaching staff. Are you at 100% right Yeah. Yeah, I think I am. Not not, not uh, conditioning-wise, though. Yeah, yeah, everything. Felt good. Yeah, I felt good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm real happy. So you know, he said. I mean, he's not 100% conditioning-wise, or um, I mean, his game obviously needs to to get back to the level that it was at after a after a month hiatus. But right now, his uh, I mean, he can't. He comes in and he he hits a a, a what a, tw- a 18 footer, just stop pull-up jumper and it it was pure and it's I mean it, it, that foot did not seem to bother him at all tonight no he was looking good on the court and even in pregame warm-ups he was moving around okay he was he was nailing just about every single jumper he took and he started off hot in this game which is really what he needed because after being off for so long you don't know how your shot's going to be in the game and he got in the in the game right away, you know, made his first shot, and he, he even uh, put his back to the basket, used a couple post moves too. So he's working inside now, and if he continues to get healthier and continuing to use that inside-out game and not being limited that by that foot, you know, that's going to really help the uh, injury-laden Spartans. Yeah, Payne finished with uh, 12 points, had uh, three boards, uh, two for two from the line. That's that. I that's one thing that will get overlooked because this was such just an absolute massacre, um, and that's putting it nicely. Um, Michigan State shot seventy-seven, almost almost seventy-eight percent from the free throw line tonight, which is great because the past couple games their free throw shooting has been abysmal. Um, part of that is because Keith Appling has been battling that wrist. Um, speaking of which, Keith Appling was out tonight. Um, with that wrist injury, uh, Izzo said that uh, it's just been getting worse and worse. Um, he talked about Keith in his uh, post-game press conference. Here it is. I can tell you what it was like yesterday to sit in my office, prepare for practice. I talked to Keith the night before. It sounded like things were getting better. And 
trainer calls and says he can hardly move his wrist. And, you know, we had specialists look at it. We've, we've gone through all the x-rays and everything and uh, just kind of a strange deal. I don't know if it's locked up or what, but I've done some work on him. But poor guy missed his first game, I think, here. And that does a lot to a team, you know. I don't want to make little of it. I don't want to make too much of it. But you think about it, we've had four of our best players and all five starters have been out. And uh, it has been hard on me and my staff. It's been hard on the players. It's not one or two, and it's the most strange, you know, mono, uh, the flu that lasted a two weeks in Trav's case. Uh, you know, then these injuries that almost don't make sense, you know. Now, in, in Keith's case, everybody knows. We went back and looked today. Keith Appling, before the North Carolina game, was leading the league in three-point field goal percentage. He was 56 and 53 from the three and 80-some from the line. And then a couple weeks after, he still was at, uh, you know, high 40s in everything and 76 from the line. And then I think he fell on it again at Penn State, I think it was. And it just has been getting worse and worse. And So, I mean, you, you heard it. it it sounds like this is just some screwy thing. It sounds like it's something along the same lines as the AP injury. Um, there's no real, nothing in the x-rays, nothing in any of the pictures that they can tell. It's just whenever he feels that it's ready to go, he can go. Um, I, I just hope he's back for Wisconsin. Oh, we definitely need him for Wisconsin. I mean, any. I think that's probably the toughest place to play in the Big Ten, the Kohl Center. Bo Ryan always gets his teams to play uh, in front of that home crowd, and even though they lost five of their last seven, they are a really good basketball team. I mean, just a month ago, many experts were saying that they're going to go to the Final Four, and now they hit a little bit of a cold streak, but, you know, they can play with anybody, and you cannot look overlook them. So the Spartans will need all of their weapons against Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, that's uh, Jason Williams of uh, ESPN. I heard him. He picked Wisconsin win the whole darn thing, which I thought was comical at the time, and uh, I still think that's pretty funny. Um, but, uh, I mean, this team, you can't take them lightly. Frank Kaminsky is a monster down low. I've been watching that guy play since high school. I'm so sick and tired of him. Um, but, yeah, that uh, that's that's not a game you can just you can look past. But uh, getting back to the game tonight, what I loved is without Keith Appling, the two guys that ran the point primarily, Denzel Valentine and uh, Travis Trice, played really, really good basketball. Trice didn't really have great numbers. He only had five points, but he had seven assists. And that was one thing that Tom Izzo talked about in his, in his postgame press conference was you've got 22 assists on 28 baskets. That's something that Michigan State hasn't really been able to do since Adrian Payne went out with that foot. Um, I'd... Do you have an explanation for for why Adrian Payne would have such an effect on the assist total? Because I, I can't really wrap my mind around that one. Well, I think with Payne, you run your offense through him. Just about every single possession, he's going to touch the ball, and he's going to facilitate the ball movement. And even with Brandon Dawson out, he played a, a nice role in the offense of getting the offensive rebounds and keeping plays alive. But without Payne in there, you've got guys standing around trying to create their own shots and not really an inside presence so if you drive inside they're going to collapse on you because there's no one you can really dump the ball off to and if you go outside there's no one you can throw it inside to so they're going to be able to basically know what you're going to do with the ball so it's tough to get the movement and not many assists 
that's uh yeah that, that's that's pretty good right there <laughs> i don't really have any uh any rebuttal or anything to add to that i uh like i said it, it's kind of it's kind of screwy and and it could be you know it's we're, we're basing this on one game so it's not like it's not like we have a huge sample size here that adrian Payne came back and all of a sudden michigan state is averaging 50 assists per game but uh you know it's it's great to see and honestly i love watching denzel valentine run the point uh he uh, Izzo talked about it in his presser how uh, how Valentine kind of had a rough stretch there to start the game, but finished the game with 11 points, 11 boards, six assists. People were smelling. I I thought he was going to go. I I knew he was going to go for a double double. Um, later in that game, people were just praying to God that he would uh, that he would get that triple, but uh, but not to be. But I uh, I I don't know. I I think that would be a cool thing to try out i know keith appling is the man at the point but to to just have to have denzel valentine be that that number two point or point guard behind appling and i know that he can play so many other positions and he's such a great passer and he can play a three and be that zone buster for you but i really like the way he runs the point um and it's you know he can get out of control at sometimes, but I think Izzo does a good enough job of reeling him in when when he gets out of control, um, and and I think he's improved his game a lot this season from where he started. He's done a lot less of the behind the back, no look stuff, and uh, and you got to wonder what he's going to do next year um, with the progress that he's made so far. Well, I think uh, next year with Ampling and Harris leaving, he's going to be moving possibly in the starting uh, point guard position, maybe uh, battle out with Trice there, switch off at least. But I noticed that when he was playing the point, he was really good, a lot better than I expected, at running the offense versus when he plays off the ball. Sometimes he takes some ill-advised shots. If he's not getting into the rotation that often, he wants to make the most of whatever touches he gets, and that really got him in trouble. You know, it hurt his shooting numbers. But tonight, four for nine, you know, a little under 50%, but you'll take that for 11 points. You don't really need him to be the main scorer, but I just loved how he was running the offense and not forcing anything. I mean, you look at the the two numbers that are jumping out at me right now are Travis Trice and Denzel Valentine come uh, come in for, for Keith Appling uh, on two days' notice, I think. Um, and they combined for 13 assists and two turnovers total. That is out. That is that's awesome numbers from your point guards, and uh, and it shows the the kind of players that those guys are, and and I've been saying it for I, I probably said it last week that if you could give me Travis Trice inside of uh, Keith Appling's body, you would probably have one of the greatest point guards of all time. Um, but uh, but yeah, tonight was just a lot of fun to watch, and I mean you got five guys in double figures: Matt Costello, ten points on three of three shooting. Um, Kenny Kaminsky obviously with the 19 Gary Harris had 14 five boards uh, Harris had a tough night shooting again um, I talked to him after the game this is what he had to say I asked him about uh, about Kenny and uh, and Kenny picking him up so I, that's that's something that I've been it's it's so I feel like such a jerk picking on Gary Harris for only scoring double digits every single night but I mean he said it right there he's he knows he can't go three of nine from three point and five of 16 from the field um and have that be okay every night it's um 
I think it's it's become more frequent than I would like it to, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what he can do to fix that, um, but but at least he's scoring, and that's the thing is he he has the same mentality that I have playing pickup basketball: shoot or shoot to get hot, and you just keep shooting until it goes in, no matter how many times you miss it, and your teammates start yelling at you. Well, he's definitely the star of this team. He knows he's probably going to go to the NBA. Uh, but what I saw uh, from Harris tonight was he was he was starting to rush his shot a little bit. After he missed the first couple, he knew he wanted to get back on track. And like you said, shoot to get hot. I think he was doing that a little too much. And I could be wrong, but I think he only got on the board until it was like eight minutes left in the first half. So Yeah, I'm pretty sure he missed his first four or five shots. And that's, I mean, that's, that's very un- uncharacteristic of him. But that is one thing that I give him a lot of credit for is he could miss his first 13 shots and he would still be chucking it up there because he knows that he has to score. And and if he's not at least giving it a shot, then, uh, then Michigan State's going to be in some trouble. Um, the thing that I love, and as much as it stinks having Gary Harris out, I love watching Alvin Ellis play basketball. Um, he plays right now, he plays with absolute reckless abandon. And when he wants to go to the basket, he can. Um, what What do you think he's gonna be next year? How, what, what do you think his role is gonna be? Do you think he's gonna be a starter? Do you think they're gonna bring him in, uh, off the bench? What Where do you What do you think they're gonna do with him? I think with Trice and Valentine, that's a really tough lineup to crack. I mean, if if Izzo wants to play small ball, maybe he'll put Ellis in at the point and slide Valentine over to the three maybe. But I see him coming off the bench kind of like what Trice's role is right now, you know, given uh, either Appling or Harris a breather, and sometimes even for Valentine if they want to play small ball again. I don't see him as a starter next year, but he'll definitely get an uptick in minutes, and if he makes the most of them, he could find himself in the in the starting lineup depending on uh, who's doing what. Yeah, he had uh, five points, uh, three rebounds. I mean, he was perfect shooting tonight, one-on-one from the field, only took one three, took uh, two free throws. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just he is a big dude. I mean, he's 6'4", um, so that's that's something that they don't – I mean, they, they have that in Harris right now, but it's always great to see those big athletic point guards um, from uh, – or not necessarily point guards, but he looks like a pure scorer. And he looks like the kind of guy that hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, which right now, I what's the answer? Do they? <laughs> do we just start bubble wrapping these guys? I mean, we might have to. I mean, once you get one guy back, another one gets injured. I mean, with with we're tied right now with Michigan for first place, and I think Izzo said in his presser that you know. We have a, a little bit of a cushion now between the rest of the field, but he's not at all comfortable with that because on any given night, a team from the bottom can beat you. Northwestern beats Indiana. You know, Nebraska beats Ohio State. And Penn State beats Ohio State. So you can't, there are no off nights. We thought Penn State might give us a really good game tonight. They were winning three in a row. Like I said, they beat Ohio State. So you just don't know what's going to happen in the Big Ten. So as much as you'd like to bubble wrap, guys, I mean – Izzo had Harris and Payne out there with like three minutes left to go in this game before he finally yanked him for Chapman and Wetzel and all. But 
you know, I was I was kind of a little bit nervous there that something might happen, you know, just because we're Michigan State and we haven't been able to catch a break this year. <laughs> that, that's kind of the attitude that everybody has right now is we are Michigan State and something is probably going to go wrong here at some point because, and I think, but when it, it's tough to say woe is me right now when you're still 19 and 3. 20 and 3 now, 9 and 1 in the Big 10. So I I would be willing to bet that that there are I mean at least I mean I would say there are a lot of other teams in the nation that would love to be where Michigan State is right now. I said on I said on the pact on Monday. Um I I really like where Michigan State is at even coming off of that Georgetown win. I thought that was I thought that was kind of a nothing game. I mean I it would have been great to win, and from a conference standpoint, it would have helped put all the people that say, oh, my God, look at what a dumpster fire the Big Ten is right now. It would have kept them quiet, but honestly, it doesn't matter what anybody says right now. If I mean, I you can say that the Big Ten is the best conference in the nation. You can say it's way overrated. The fact of the matter is nobody's going to know until we get to the end of March. Um, and, uh, and so... I don't know. The the Georgetown game was definitely disappointing, but you're going to have an off game, and especially when apparently I, – I can't imagine that Keith Appling's wrist was great then if he couldn't go tonight. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't put a whole lot of stock in that Georgetown game. I, I missed the first half. I was, uh, I was traveling. Did, uh, wh- what was your take on that game? It looked like Michigan State just didn't get up for that game. They knew Georgetown was on a losing skid. We had come off the past week of losing to Michigan at home, and then that that gut-wrenching win in overtime at Iowa, we just weren't ready for that game. I think Izzo called it a scheduling loss, where you know maybe he was he's getting a lot of heat for actually playing that game and scheduling it uh, at that time in the middle of the conference season. I mean, obviously he wouldn't know of all the injuries and what this team's really gone through. If he would have known, no way he would have wanted to play that game. Georgetown came in, they had nothing to lose. They are a bubble team at best right now. So that game meant a lot more to them than it did to us, and it, I don't see it really hurting us in the long run. See, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. And when you said that Izzo doesn't play that game, Izzo said at the beginning of the year he play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And uh, I think he would play that game either way, because, and I, I might have talked, I might have talked with you about this before, um, about, I mean, what, like like I said, that loss doesn't really hurt. If Michigan State does what they're supposed to do and they win or at least have a share of the Big Ten t- regular season title and do what I think they can do in the Big Ten tournament and win that whole shebang. Um, they're number one seed regardless because as much as there are haters and as much as there are people that will say the Big Ten is outrageously overrated, um, the Big Ten is an awesome conference, and and March will show that. And uh, and so I, the Georgetown loss stunk, but it was something that it wasn't like the Michigan loss where it was like, okay, well, now this kind of stinks. Now we're... We're kind of reeling a little bit. Need uh, and and I think what makes these 
these losses so much easier to handle is the fact that Michigan State has been able to bounce back from all three losses. And, you know, what I consider to be the biggest win of the year coming after that Michigan game in Iowa, that's an unbelievable um, showing from that team, and it shows the resiliency that they have. Um, and uh, just the, their ability to come back from losses and is, is outstanding. And you hope that they, they treat the, the tournament like they're playing after a loss um, every single game because apparently it's kicking them right in the butt. Uh, I didn't think about this until after the game tonight, but I, I have a feeling that Keith Appling being out tonight for the first time in his four years here at Michigan State, I think that kind of gave everybody kind of a little kick in the butt. Um, just to, I mean, you, you kind of got the feeling not necessarily that it's one win one for the Gipper or something like that, but you know, being without their, the guy that has just been the rock for them. And especially through these past, this past month without Adrian Payne, um, he's been the guy. And I think, I think they've done, uh, I think that's what they did tonight is they said, Keith, you had us for the past month and you got to take a blow tonight, but we're going to show you that we got you too. Well, I think Ampling was one of those guys that was flying under the radar for most of his career. Like you said, an Ironman never missed a game. So they were just kind of used to him being there. Maybe got a little complacent with it. So seeing him gone, they're like, whoa, we need to change something. And you know, they responded well to it. They could have hung their heads and just kind of let Penn State, you know, make a game of it. But, you know, especially with Payne coming back, that really lit a fire under them as well. I think that was a good combination. It couldn't have come at a better time for him to finally get back onto the court. Luckily, nothing happened to him in a somewhat meaningless game. But I think he even looked at this as maybe a tune-up for Wisconsin. <coughs> I agree. Um, I think... I think the Wisconsin game I think that could that could be a loss. Um do you think that if if assuming I I think Appling will play against Wisconsin regardless of how as if he can move his wrist, I think he'll play against Wisconsin. He might not score like he has been, but I think he'll play uh because even with a bad wrist, he's still an an incredible defender. Um, he can move the ball and, and, you know, even if he's kind of in an Aaron Craft role almost where he's just playing lockdown defense, cutting to the hole, trying to kick it to shooters. Um, I think he's helpful that way. And it's, you know, nice to just have another body. Um, if he plays that Wisconsin game, could you see him sitting out against Northwestern and maybe even Nebraska trying to get that risk to 100% before they head into the stretch of uh, at Michigan, Illinois, and then Iowa comes here and then go to Ohio State to finish the season? I, I think that could be the exact situation that happens. In the post-game press conference, Izzo said that he is the best defender on the team, and he's shown in the season that he can be a facilitator too. He's He's gotten – I think he's – hit a double-digit assist a couple times. It's been close to double-doubles. And he's shown when his when his shot is off because his wrist is hurting, he makes plays for other players. He doesn't have to be a scorer every night. And he knows that if his wrist isn't, isn't feeling well, he's just not going to shoot it. And I think his situation is kind of similar to Payne's where we didn't know originally how bad his ankle was. And after the Ohio State game, we thought maybe Izzo would just rest him for the uh, – 
you know, I think we had Northwestern and Illinois. So those weren't Minnesota really, was in there too. Minnesota too. Those weren't really the biggest games. So we figured maybe he's just waiting for the big game. I think we could see that from Ampling too, where he's like you said, he's going to hold them out for those uh, less important games and get them ready for the stretch and especially for the tournament. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that Northwestern and Nebraska coming into the Breslin Center would be a nice a nice opportunity for Keith to kind of. You know, if if he sits that game, that gives if he sits uh, after Wisconsin, that gives him eleven days until they play Purdue, and it's at Purdue. But you could almost say that's a game that you treat it like uh, like you treat it like they treated Adrian uh, Adrian Payne tonight. He only played eighteen minutes, um, which I think is exactly where he needed to be tonight because I don't think his conditioning is 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 back to one hundred percent, and he and he said that it's not. Um, but yeah, t- you going back to you talking about Keith Appling's number. He's he's leading the team in assists per game. He's close to five. He's got a two and a half assist to turnover ratio. Um, yeah, it's, so it's like you said, the um, he doesn't need to score to be effective on this team, and and we've seen that this team has plenty of people that can help him score without him putting in fifteen twenty a night. Obviously, you'd like to be able to to see him do that but um it's not it's not live and die by Keith Appling which is right now this team doesn't have anybody that they live and die by really and we've seen that all year because somebody goes down and somebody else steps up and uh it's uh it's just really great to see and and you love the you you pointed out before we uh before we started here Every single guy that was active on the roster tonight got minutes. Um, I think, let's see, yeah, Bonhoff was the low man with two, but uh, Wetzel, Chapman, and Wallman all got four. Um, I thought it was funny there. I asked, uh, yeah, I, I'll play the, uh, I, asked, I asked Denzel Valentine. Uh, he gave, uh, you probably saw, he gave uh, Izzo a big old hug after, after Izzo pulled him in, in like the last three and a half minutes, I think, something like that. And I asked him what uh, what he said to Izzo there, and here's what he had to say. Uh, yeah, you know, um, yeah, he just said, you kind of, you owe me one, and, you know, <laughs> j- just joking, and, uh, you know, it was good. You know, I, you know, I told him at the, uh, one of the media timeouts that, you know, I needed one more point, so he left me in, and, um, you know, I guess he said I, I deserve it, so, um, you know, I just thank, I just thanked him about it. As the the way this bizarre season's been playing, so I mean that's you love it, and that that shows you the kind of game that this was really, with when your your starters are saying, "Coach, just let me pad the stats a little bit," and and the coach is saying, ah, "Okay, all right, yeah, we can do that." Um, it's great to see that kind of thing, and uh, especially when I think Izzo doesn't have a problem doing that when when valentine had a game like he did uh it makes it a whole lot easier to justify leaving him in for a couple extra minutes so he can get that one ugly layup to to make it 11 well you know with with about 12 minutes ago in the second half he had nine rebounds nine points and six assists and you thought triple double was imminent here but he just he just got stuck on that six assist number i mean it's great to see the double double but how many times do you see a triple double i don't think anybody on the team has had one this year 
So, I mean, yeah, you, like you said, it was only a 15-point win technically. I would say it was on paper a 15-point win, but but we just – the defense wasn't there in, like, the last five minutes. Well, I mean, you can – yeah, you consider we – you know, like I said, Wallenman uh, – or not Wallen – yeah, Wallenman, Chapman, and Wetzel all were in for the last four minutes, um, and they – for all of our uh, for all of our gambling listeners, they uh, they gave you guys a little bit of a heart attack. If they took if you took Michigan State, but uh, fortunately Wetzel was able to just oh, he just chucked up that three ball at the end. He must have known um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nailed nailed the uh, the cover for Michigan State. But uh, you know I that really is and being a uh, being a scrub for most of my life playing baseball it's I always love watching the bench and just the way everybody gets up for when those guys come in is just such an awesome thing to see and uh you know it it reminds you that these guys really are just kids like they're you know they're just out there having a good time you know, and going back to that point, I think when Wetzel hit that three, that was the loudest the crowd got since Adrian Payne got into the game. <laughs> and it was mostly empty at that point, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the Izzone loves those guys. You know, they're always yelling, shoot, whenever one of them touches the ball. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you don't want to make light of these guys, but, you know, they they know their roles and they uh they do everything they can to help out these teams and and that's why that's that's why I enjoy it because I know that these guys work just as hard as any of the other scholarship players or any of the guys that are getting 25 30 minutes a game so to see them come in and you know do their thing and and uh get some points and and have some fun is is just always great to see and and I'm always I always tell the story about I was walking up the uh I might have told this last time so maybe I'm repeating myself but I was walking up the or I was walking down the stairs after the game to go to the locker room and Dan Chapman was walking up the stairs with uh with his parents and I heard him say something like dad I think that's the most minutes I've had this year and it's like, oh my God, this guy's a senior in college. He's been on this team for four years, and he's still just like, that's how much he loves this game. Is any minutes that he gets, he loves, and he's willing to to keep track of stuff like that. And I think that's uh, so. Yeah, that's why I I absolutely dig it when, and I liked it tonight. And I I think maybe it was because Izzo's been trying to keep everybody healthy that. Uh, that those guys got in at four minutes because the, I think this is the earliest that I can remember Izzo putting in the uh, the bench in any game this year. Um, but uh, oh, what the other thing that happened tonight? Holy cow! Uh, I it was almost a huge upset. Oregon went to uh, Arizona and just about messed around and beat the number two team in the nation. The final was sixty seven sixty five. Oregon put on a good. I only caught the tail end of it because the uh, it overlapped with the uh, with the Michigan State game. But I caught the last like minute or so. Um, Arizona just about lost that game. Oregon put on a really good looking press there. Um, and uh, and one thing that I thought was very impressive from from Oregon was the fact that 
with even with 30 seconds left, they weren't just chucking up threes. They were going to the hole and they were drawing fouls and the, and they missed. I think they missed three out of four down the stretch. To uh, they missed three out of four free throws down the stretch, and it it the the score is a little deceiving. Probably should have been more like 63-67. Uh, they made a uh, nothing um, slam dunk as time expired. But yeah, they missed three three out of four free throws with less than uh, thirty seconds left. That that obviously would have changed that game. Yeah, well, I I think that's just a testament to Oregon not giving up. I mean, they they started the season undefeated for a while. I think they won about fifteen straight, highly ranked in the nation, and they just kind of took a nosedive. And they could have just gone into that game saying, "Hey, Arizona is rolling right now. They're number two in the nation. What chance do we have?" But they gave it their all, and, uh, you know, Jason Calise, who plays on, he used to play for University of Detroit, so he's got the local connection. He missed a couple free throws at the end, but, I mean, he made one out of two, actually. But just to see that crowd, uh, you know, if you didn't see it, it was amazing. I mean, I don't know if I could ever make a free throw in that kind of a yeah, situation. that was pretty Looking nuts. at that backdrop. Yeah. Um, I, what I... I can't remember. I mean, last year, I guess last year was kind of the same way where there was so much movement up around the top five teams for most of the season. I I don't remember the longest streak that any one team had at at the number one, but it it was very up and down. And it seems like right now, I mean, you're getting into this, into the part of the season where it's the real, the real grind and guys are getting tired and guys are getting banged up and uh, and you're starting to see kind of the wear and tear of the season. But especially, uh, we'll go back to the Big Ten now, What what is going on that you can see that that is causing such this log jam in the middle, really? <laughs> well, I think one of the main things that, the the haters of the Big Ten like to point out is that all the teams are log jammed in the middle. You could say they're mediocre, but I think that's actually one of the strong points. Is if the teams at the bottom, Northwestern, Penn State, can come in and beat the teams that are supposed to be at the top. That just shows you know the the strength of the conference from top to bottom. You know maybe Ohio State uh, was one of the teams that maybe a little bit overrated. Uh, coming into the season, they won a couple uh, early games, didn't really play anybody. Their main, main problem is they just can't score. But other than that, like Wisconsin, people, like we talked about earlier, we're talking about them being their Final Four favorite. And now they're on a slide, and everybody's just starting to bash the Big Ten. But, I mean, even look at Michigan. They lost a couple games early. Now they're back on the horse, and they're getting highly ranked. I think they're only a couple behind Michigan State right now. Maybe even a poll might have them ahead. But it just shows how top to bottom, Big Ten is one of the deepest leagues in the country. I, you could say the Big 12 might be a little bit better, ACC a little bit better at the top. But, I mean, you look at a team at the bottom of any of those conferences, TCU and the Big 12, I don't think they could be anybody in the Big Ten. So saying that the Big Ten is one of the worst because everybody's logjam in the middle, that just shows that it's probably the best. Yeah, that's and and I've talked about this, and I keep referring to it as the SEC football conundrum because it's it's either 
everybody's beating everybody because your conference is that good or everybody's beating everybody because everybody's that average. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have no answer for this. I've never seen, I don't remember any year in the big 10 that has been this tight in, in one area. And it's weird to look at these standings and see there's still only three teams above 500. There's Michigan State, Michigan, and Iowa, and Iowa is clinging on for dear life after they were just on a roll. Um, I, I want to say that Michigan State's non-conference uh, and, and, bef- and pre-conference schedule um, really helped them to, to kind of battle through all of this, all of this um, mess that, that the Big Ten is right now. But uh, Michigan didn't have have a great non-conference, um, but they're still right where they need to be. And Michigan, granted, has a real tough stretch coming up. They uh, they go at uh, at at Iowa and then at Ohio State. The next four games for Michigan will show you exactly how good this team is. They go at Iowa, at Ohio State, Wisconsin goes to Ann Arbor, and then Michigan State goes to Ann Arbor. And if they can lose, I think, from Michigan State's point of view, (coughs) oh my goodness, excuse me, you need them to lose two of those games. Because Michigan State's not out of the woods yet either. They've still got, uh, at Ohio State, we already talked about this, at Michigan, go to to Iowa comes here, and then go to Ohio State. Um, There's just, you I would like as much separation as possible between Michigan because I've already said the thought of sharing the Big Ten regular season title with Michigan is disgusting and it's gross and it makes me just like cringe a little bit. uh, I don't want to share anything with Michigan, nothing. No thank you. So, uh, yeah, it's – like I said, the only way to describe the Big Ten right now is it's a race to the bottom, and it's up to Michigan State to just stay afloat because they've got and you know worst case scenario they share with Michigan. Fine, whatever. That but. would probably be the worst case scenario. <laughs> but you know, Michigan. The thing with them is they're a really young team. You've got Nick Stauskas. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you got Karis LeVert. You know, even that Spike guy. I mean, they they're all so young. They, they're streaky. You know, they show at the beginning of the year, they started off rocky, but then they got on that hot streak, and then they kind of just lay an egg in, in Indiana. So you don't know who you're going to get with them because they're so young, which could be an advantage to Michigan State. I mean, I see that game at Michigan as a very winnable game, especially with Michigan going down the gauntlet of their schedule. They could just be beaten down by then. That's true. I, I didn't even think of it that way, that – by the time they get to Michigan State, they might just be and you know whenever you get to a rivalry game like this, you can usually just throw away any statistics and any past. It's just one game, and that's everybody's gonna go all out for that game. But I I agree with I I think Michigan State can go in, and I said last week I think Michigan State right now. You give me one team or one game against any team in the nation. For Michigan State right now, oh goodness, excuse me. Hopefully, we'll cut that out. Um, and I like Michigan State's chances because that's and especially once they're completely healthy, 
that's just going to be the, uh, you know, all, all we can do right now is just sit here and wonder and think about what it's going to be like when they all get healthy because just getting Adrian Payne back and losing Appling, they looked so much better tonight. Um, and I think that's a huge testament to what uh, to what Adrian Payne does when he's on the floor. And I like uh, I like that Matt Costello went to the glass tonight, and I like that they're willing. I would like to see them use him more as an offensive threat. He doesn't necessarily have to go to the hoop every time, but just post him, just feed him the ball down low. And say, go to work. If you have a shot, fine. If not, kick it out and we'll figure out something else. Either repost him or find something else. Because there's no shortage of scorers on the floor. And if Matt Costello can be a somewhat of a decent offensive threat down low, that only opens up everything else. Well, I noticed uh, in this game he was much more aggressive than he normally is. I was basically screaming at my TV for the Iowa game. Shoot the ball. He had great matchups down low. He just looked so hesitant with the ball down low. He'd he'd make his move, then just kind of stand there like, what do I do now? I think with Payne in there, it gives him a little bit uh, more confidence that he doesn't have to be the big man down low. He can he can uh, let Payne uh, do all the work basically and get the mismatches again. He's just got to learn to capitalize on them. And he I it did like what I uh, saw out of him uh, tonight. He got a little more aggressive and used his moves. Well, and you know, and he kind of like I you know the Georgetown game. You take that for what it's worth, and however much uh, um, stock you want to put in that, but. Uh, you look at his past two Big Ten games, he's put up 11 against Iowa, 10 against uh, um, Penn State. He got his 11 boards against Iowa, first career double-double. You like the direction that he's heading in because I said, uh, yeah, I think it was last week, I said if he can be an 8.10 boards ignite type of guy, or even, you know, somewhere in that area, Michigan State is head and shoulders the best team in the nation. Because at that point, who who are you going to let go? You can't double-team anybody because Appling will hurt you, Harris will hurt you, Dawson can hurt you, Payne can hurt you, and Costello just needs to be respectable down low. And I completely agree with you, and I could I was screaming right there with you, during that Iowa game, there was that one sequence where I think he grabbed two offensive rebounds in a row. Exactly. The last of which he was standing under the basket with nobody within four feet of him. <laughs> it's just, Matt, just go, just go, shoot the basketball. It's like he's afraid to. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something, and yeah, but uh, it's it's great to see him start to have that mentality and start to get that confidence to where he he knows he can kind of be the guy that uh that Michigan State can go to down low even if it's just you know have him in not necessarily a Derek Nix role because Derek Nix had the sweetest feet of anybody that size I've ever seen but just you know 
just to make people think about it because that's a lot of what this game is is just show me that you are respectable in one area so that I can't go all out in another area and that's where we're at with Kenny Kaminsky is just show me that you can post somebody up just be willing to do it and that's something that Izzo harps on all the time is he just wants guys to have that mentality that you know this might not be what I'm best at but I need to be good enough at it to where what I'm best at isn't what other teams sell out on. Well, I think the same situation applies to Brandon Dawson when he's healthy. I mean, he talked about how he was working on a shot over the summer, but how many times have you seen him actually hit a jump shot during the season? I mean, you could probably count on your on your hand how many times he's hit a jump shot. So defenses start to sag off him too. So same situation with him and and uh, Kaminsky were basically they're the opposite. You combine them, they're the super athlete. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you like what – and looking back at um, what we were talking about with Costello, you got to start looking towards next year. Payne's going to be gone. Who's going to be your big man? I mean, you you would think Costello would step into that role, but we've seen times where he's been too hesitant and doesn't even want to shoot, and we've seen Gauna go in, start, and play two minutes and never see the floor again. So he's kind of a wild card, too. And we've got the actual size. We just need players to produce. Yeah, we somebody needs to figure out what's going on with Alex Gauna because when he first came in, I, I remember people were saying, you know, this guy's going to develop into something nice. And I, I think somebody – I saw a tweet today. I forget. It was one of the writers. Um, Gauna went from the starting lineup to he got – fewer minutes than Wetzel, Chapman, and Wallenman. Partially, I think, because of Denzel Valentine trying to get that double-double. Um, but that that's not a that's not where you want to see him go, especially moving forward next year, as you said. Losing Adrian Payne. Um, one guy that we haven't talked about yet, but I thought it doesn't show up in the stat sheets, but for me it's just watching – it's just a it's a feel and a look is you watch Gavin Schilling and that guy's a physical specimen there's no doubt about that and I liked the way he played today and I thought he looked stronger and he looked more in control than he has been throughout the season he had one play that he had a I think it might have been a valentine pass bounce off his hands tonight or somebody it it was a little a uh, little too quick a little too hot for him but um i i think he has the opportunity to surpass Ghana and not he doesn't have to improve that much well you know Izzo likes uh Schilling he and Ghana are the only two players on the team to play in every single game this year so we've only seen uh Schilling in limited uh you know times i think probably five minutes a game is what he normally gets he'd be lucky to score two points but we don't really need him to produce right now which is good so we don't have to rush him along develop him and like you said he is a physical specimen he is tall but he is lanky so he can have size he, he maybe wants to bulk up a little bit if he wants to be the dominant big man or he could be a nice compliment to a Ghana or a Costello down low and maybe work on something a little bit more outside well that's what I think is so impressive about uh about Schilling is he is for a true freshman he is solid like, he is a large man I think he's what six nine two forty that's a that's a big dude um and I just 
he could he could definitely he just it's all about the mentality for him in my mind right now he just needs to just take a deep breath and say gav you got this and i am bigger than most of these guys and i can throw them around however i want i do think if he put on if he put on another 15 pounds of muscle, he would be like Patrick Young of Florida size. And he, Patrick Young, I don't know if you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't, Patrick Young plays for Florida. I think he's six foot eight, uh, like 250. And the dude just does curls all the time, I'm convinced, <laughs> because his arms are as big around as my torso. Uh, he looks like he just just eats. He just does, just drinks protein shakes and and does curls. Um, but if and he put and he just balls. Um, if Gavin Schilling could get to that size, that would be that would make me so happy, just to see somebody that looks like he could take on the entire other team by himself. Um, but uh, I think that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week. Uh, Want to thank. Blake for uh, staying up late and uh, dealing with my horrific sleep schedule. Um, Blake, what's your Twitter Twitter handle again so everybody can uh, follow you? My Twitter handle is at bfrolling. That's at b f r o l i n g. Follow Blake. He uh, he does work with uh, who do you do work with besides uh, the Impact Spartan Sports Network. He does work with them. He uh, he does some writing for us too. Think you just did a uh, piece on the Pistons. Um, what's your take on them, real quick, before we go? I think they're just about ready to start tanking if they don't turn things around quickly. I think Joe Dumars needs some to work some of his usual magic. Uh, this will make or break his career as well. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see them down the stretch. My uh, my take on it is uh, fire mo cheeks fire mo cheeks a month ago because and this is i'm i'm a bulls guy but well but here's here's my thing tom thibodeau gets the most out of any team of any coach in the league the fact that he can win with dj augustin uh mike dunleavy basically he has joaquin noah and jimmy butler and then just whoever the heck they could find off the street. Um, and they're the number five team in the league, and I think the Pistons have a ton more talent than than the Bulls do right now, and I, I just don't understand. I, I think that, that goes to the coaching, and I know Josh Smith needs to stop shooting every, every single time he's outside the three-point line. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I think that a lot of that falls to the coach, and uh, – and yeah, I think uh, Mo Cheeks has uh, has uh, kind of run his course, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, my name is Andrew Hayes. Follow me on Twitter at isownhayes22. Hayes H A Y E S, like the president. I've been saying that. I've been saying like the president, and people have no idea what I'm talking about. So apparently, that's what I'm saying, my man. Uh, but uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll uh, catch you again next week.